Hey everybody, what's up and welcome to Reality TV Rehap-Ups for Amazing Race Canada Season 7, Episode 2, in which teams travel to Revelstoke, British Columbia. And now, here are the two people who are all aboard the podcast train, Jessica Leese and Dan Heaton. Hi Dan, how are you? Hi, I've I've got my map here. I'm ready to go. My podcast map, which will lead me to success. It's very important. Oh, see, we're a little late getting started tonight because Dan's podcast map took him in the wrong direction and he ended up doing like 10 minutes of the Love Island podcast and we had to steer him back onto the right path. And I was like, I think I see Canada. I'm driving near it. It's on the map. And it just wasn't working at all. But we're back. We're here. We promise that we are ready for this podcast. All right. Yeah, I am definitely ready to talk about everything that happened this leg. I mean, as far as Amazing Race Canada legs go, I would probably not put this in the pantheon of greatest legs of all time. But it was still entertaining. I still had a good time. Yeah, I agree. I think I think it's one of those things where if you said... Hey, what's kind of your normal middle of the road Amazing Race Canada episode? And I'd be like, this one's pretty good. You know, they drive in a car, they do some outdoor tasks, there's some flip flipping of spots, good teams, some nice moments. But yeah, like you said, when we get to the end of the season and we say, what were the real highlights of this season? I don't know if this will be up there, but a lot of it just is because it's just one of those legs where everything was solid. And kind of you could a little bit see what was coming. It came down really to two teams. So there was a limit to craziness that could happen. But I still like this cast a lot. And I think um, I think we saw some teams looking stronger than we thought. Yeah, I think everybody has come with their A game this leg. And I think a lot of teams that we may have written off in the first episode have come back with vengeance. I'm particularly impressed, I think, with uh, Jill and Sean. And I'm very impressed also with, um, we have to give a shout out to Arthi and Tanesh, who went from seventh place all the way up to first this leg. That was kind of amazing. Yeah, they they all of a sudden they did really they did fine the whole leg, but his mastery in particular of putting together a train set, which we'll get to later, really pushed him to the top. And I have a I have a good feeling about them. And it's not just because they finished first. It's easy to say, oh, they're going to win because they finished first. But I just get a sense from how they're being presented on the show their relationship, their skills, like she just totally rocked the motorbike test. I think I see good things for their future. And about Jill and Sean, they really are like the setup for five whole machines this episode. <laughs> every single thing. And this was not just them. This was across the cast this episode. But every single thing, Sean and Jill, like, we've done that. We've done that. We've done that. And I'm thinking somehow it's going to falter. And as we go through, I will list a few. One in particular, very funny moment that they had. But overall, they were really solid. And I think you saw, especially Jill's, both of their varieties of life experiences kind of helping them out this week. Yeah, it reminded me of nothing so much as uh, Ron and Christina from season 12. Uh, it seemed like Ron had held every single job in the entire world and they'd be like putting up posters and he'd say, oh, yeah, I did this for a living. And and so I, I think it's nice when you see a lot of practical real world experience coming into play along the course of the race. And of course, you're always hoping for that five hole. 
Yeah, I almost feel like they broke the five-hole discussion today because really, if every task is something that you've done in the past, then when you five-hole it, it's like, well, they just kind of messed up a task. It's not really <laughs> a five-hole because everything could be a five-hole then. But and especially, it seemed like everyone in their life was an expert on putting together trains. So these teams, I don't know if they're just paying more attention or if the producers are just asking a lot more leading questions. But these teams are so pumped to tell you about how much everything they've done in life is exactly related to this lake. Yeah, it's like, tell me about the time that you had to paddle a kayak while someone facing the other way was paddling a kayak <laughs> tied to your kayak. I'm, oh yeah, I do that for a living all the time. I kayak in tandem on the weekends. And then, oh, tell me about the time that you had to plant 40 trees using a piece of rope for your measuring. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the summer I spent working with the Forest Service. Yeah, there's a lot of that. It's just, it was all over. I found that very entertaining and found myself, you know, one thing is though, you only get things like that when you have interesting teams. And that's what the thing is. You have teams that one, have different life experiences, but are just normal life experiences, <laughs> including a lot of these things. Not like you're really having a crazy life if you put a train set together, but basically they are and have some charisma. There aren't a lot of duds, and that's typical with the Amazing Race Canada teams. And I think that leaves where even things tend to go in a fairly predictable, I want to say completely predictable route. It still leads to a fun episode, and that's kind of what happened this time. Should we go up to the top of the leg? Uh, because I think there were so many shout outs to, I think, classic U.S. Amazing Race this episode, starting with the fact that nobody gets on a plane at the top of this leg. Everybody gets in their cars and they drive to the next location for the next leg. And this is something, I mean, I think we have to go back into history to talk about why this is, but without an automotive sponsor, Amazing Race U.S. is pretty much completely nixed the self-driving. And one thing I love about Canadian Amazing Race is that they're still doing it because they haven't totally burned that bridge. Yeah, totally. This definitely had an old school feeling in terms of, one, there being so much emphasis, like we talked about last week, with it feeling more a bit like a scavenger hunt in a way because there's so much driving. But also, too, just it, it's emphasizing different skills because we, so we've seen it again. They get in. And they have to drive two and a half hours off the bat, which I mean, it's I know we had a question and I'm not sure what the longest is they've driven. But it makes me think even back to things where they didn't drive, like an early season where they did a 24 hour bus ride into Mexico, just things where they're they're getting on different types of vehicles that are not just planes that are pre-ordered and cabs. And it really makes it where you see more variety it's not just the physical teams. You see teams that buy a map and actually get the right directions that end up jumping ahead. And then it makes it a really unpredictable race. Yeah, it's true. I mean, when was the last time getting lost while driving somewhere was the reason that we lost an Amazing Race U.S. team? It's been a long time. I mean, I think this is and that's the thing. Not only that, but getting lost when basically all the hard tests were done which has happened two weeks in a row. It's like, I mean, for that to happen, I'm thinking back to things like this happened in, you know, I don't know the exact season, but like, it's kind of like in that early first seven seasons kind of it where they decided to start being like, we don't really like to see teams after the task, get in a car and then they finish later and everybody's scratching their head. The audience is going, wait, what? 
because they don't always even have a reason. This week, we kind of had a reason. They don't always have a clear indication of what happened. And it's a little anticlimactic. I, I like it. I'm not sure I'd like it to happen every single week, but I do appreciate the, you know, that they again got to jump into a giant Chevy and here driving through just a gorgeous location too. Yeah, this was a truly beautiful. I mean, start planning that next Canadian trip, Dan, because this place just it it just jumps off the screen. It's it's just gorgeous. And not to disparage Kamloops at all, but Kamloops is more of a foothills kind of area. And it, it's it seemed like it was kind of arid and not necessarily as challenging and forbidding as these like huge mountains that kind of pop up in this leg. And I feel like you just got these incredible landscapes. It was it was really a joy just to watch that. Like, sure, get lost because then we get to see more of the countryside, right? Yeah. How many times do you have a leg where people are like, okay, we got to go to the mountain. It's on our left. Oh, where it's on the other side. Wait, which direction? Let's just drive to the mountain. It's like, (laughs) that's just crazy. I mean, I guess, you know, you had the US one where they were in Switzerland with the Alps. But it was a bit different because, again, they were, you know, jogging through the town and taking different things. But this is just like, yep, we're just driving on the, you know, the gorgeous highway following kind of the path of the railroad in a way. And you see my lack of knowledge of all this. I'm being very vague here. But um, and it was gorgeous. And again, that's the thing where I almost get that. I hate to keep saying, well, it's like classic U.S. or whatever, because I want to make sure this is also like many seasons. What Amazing Race Canada as well. People do you have people ask the question and say, well, why do they spend so much time in Canada? Why don't they go to more countries, which they do sometimes? And then I think, yeah, but you got places like this. Why do you have to leave Canada when it looks this gorgeous? I personally, I I think I've said it before. I've been to Canada three times since the premiere of Amazing Race Canada season one, and I will keep on going back. And I just keep finding things that I would like to see. Uh, They really haven't spent a great deal of time in the parts of Canada that I grew up going to all the time. So this has been a real revelation to me as well. Yeah. And um, so so basically, you know, they start this leg, they hop into their Chevy Traverses, they drive about two and a half hours and head for, you know, a very historic spot, the last spike to get their first clue um, from the you know famous spot at the end of the Canadian Pacific Railway. But what I enjoyed here, too, is they get a clue. It's a roadblock. And then they have to drive somewhere else. So we're talking about self-driving being so important. It's not even like you get to the roadblock and then you just do it. Teams actually, some of them had a hard time finding the location from the first location. So it's like they almost had a task, which was, hey, go find where the roadblock actually is after you already know what you're doing. You know, Amazing Race Canada is the king of extra tasks, but I can see where there would be a lot of confusion here because none of the racers can agree on the correct pronunciation of the word glacier, apparently. (laughs) Yes, that's the first problem is they can't even figure how are you going to find your way to the Glacier House Resort if you keep naming it a different way? This is this is a problem. Well, I think this is a perfectly acceptable way to pronounce the word glacier in Canada, because I was about ready to spend like five minutes making fun of John for saying glacier. And then half the racers also said glacier. And then everybody else was just like, oh, glacier. I remember last summer we talked about having a regular recurring segment about weird ways that John pronounces things. And I feel a little robbed that it turns out that all of the teams had their own unique way of saying it. (laughs) 
John still finds an interesting like spin on it, even when he's reading everything. Like he often says something like, wait, what? What word was that? And then it'll be something very simple like Glacier. And I wish I could think of some of the examples from last season. But it is definitely something we're going to track this season. And listeners, if you notice also weird John pronunciations, please call them out. I will go back and listen again, and then we can now point our fingers and laugh at John's silly pronunciations in the future. Well, and the thing is, John and I did not grow up that far from each other, and we are the same age. And many people I grew up with have kind of some of the same inflections, but some of the things that come out of his mouth, I'm like, are you sure you grew up on this planet? (laughs) Yes. He's a likable guy. Did you also notice for this roadblock that yes, John was riding on the, the dirt bike. Well, he was riding and they made it seem like he was riding while saying what they were going (laughs) to be doing, which and they made sure to point out later when they showed the person, give the clue that he was wearing the same jacket. So John was like, you know I was riding that dirt bike. You know it. But I doubt he was actually saying the clue while he was riding. But that's just another example of John's like, oh, Phil, you could sit in that raft. I can ride in a dirt bike. This is nothing. Oh, yeah. Like, I would 100% believe that John was doing all of those things. Whereas if they showed somebody in a jacket riding a dirt bike and then they showed Phil wearing that same jacket later, I would not... (laughs) for a second believe that that was Phil on the dirt bike, but I'm willing to believe that John does all of the tasks because we've seen him do things like narrate a bungee jump task and then do the bungee jump, which is why I love John and why he is, he may be surpassing Phil as my favorite Amazing Race host. It's hard. He's he's so much fun. And so we get to this roadblock, you know, race the clock, which this is kind of a typical task that we've seen where they have to. There was last season where they drove a race car where you have to follow a certain course in a certain amount of time. And the time is always fairly tricky. It's not automatic, as we saw even with Super Dave, even on his first try, missing by a second. (laughs) Super Dave, nice Canadian pull there. (laughs) (laughs) Totally accidental, but hey, you know, I do what I can. But of course, the scary moment here is we got the story of Marie breaking her neck um, three years ago. And then sadly, luckily, she's okay. So not that sad. But Marie then gets a little too excited on her ride while in first place and crashes the dirt bike, which I figured she was okay, but that was still a pretty scary moment, wasn't it? I think it would have been scarier if I'd been actually watching this on um, actual CTV because the way it cuts to commercial and then you get to spend the whole commercial break wondering if that was just a fake out and then you come back and it you find out it was a fake out. I feel like not getting that commercial break in there, you just watch her totally eat dirt twice and then get up and say she's okay. I feel like that was you need that commercial break in there for that to really be effective. Yeah, that is true. You end up watching it like, why did they just show it twice in a row? And it's like, uh, oh, yeah, there was there was a commercial break there. But um, but I'm glad she was OK. And she pretty much rocked it right along with Dave. They both on their second try just rolled through it. And then for the most part, everyone, everyone did OK. I did want to call out Sean now, though, where Sean gets up there and he is so pumped. And he's like, I ride a motorcycle to work every day. He can't wait to tell everybody in the world that he rides a motorcycle every day. They start the timer and Sean immediately crashes right off the bat, which I found, even though he ended up finishing, he did very well. But that was some great editing there by the Amazing Race Canada. Yeah, that was really fantastic. I want to call out a couple of things that I felt like were real, again, real classic Amazing Race throwbacks. Um, One of them was this kind of 
opportunity for everybody not doing the roadblock to hang out and mingle and talk to each other in ways that are not like totally CBS reality focused, like let's be in an alliance and we like these people and we don't like these people. There's kind of hang- hanging around like shooting the crap and they're all uniformly delighted when they realize that Jet and Dave are not there anymore. And I I kind of loved everybody coming to that conclusion and getting really excited together. Yeah, I love the way that they went through like all the teams and where they finished. And they're like, OK, who was two? Who was three? OK, I don't know how they knew how the teams in the back, what order they were, I guess, just because some people had seen different teams or maybe they talked at some point. But it was it was fun because you get this realization. You especially saw it with um, with Lauren, who had this look on her face like hey, wait, maybe any of us could win. Like, maybe we have a chance. It's like they all have this thought while their partners at the same time are just crashing into everything at the same point. So it was a nice counterpoint, too. Yeah, like almost over their shoulder in the background, you could see people eating it on the on the dirt bikes <laughs> over and over. The other thing I really love is we talked last week about how losing Jet and Dave so early meant that we were not going to get that kind of weird uneven rivalry between them and Dave and Arena. But then I love that Megan and Marie just kind of stepped right into that void and picked up the mantle of the strange trash-talking rivalry where... You have Arena yelling out to Dave, I love you. And then Megan says, I love you more than she loves him. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I wrote that down. And I see how, I mean, Dave and, Dave and Arena, they're going to make a rivalry with every team that they're standing next to, apparently. You know, they get later on, they get very upset. Like when we talked about it and I said, this is the kind of team that is going to be mad when they don't finish first. And I thought, maybe I'm overstating this. Maybe this won't really be the case. Oh, no. This is a team that wants to win everything and wants to just sit in the car and talk about how other teams are dumb, knowing the cameras are on them. They are going to just and I don't I think they're going to have fun, though. That's the thing. This is I mean, yes, they want to win. And yes, I believe they're ultra competitive, but I don't get a nasty side to this so far. I kind of get a reality TV villain type thing, not a real life villain thing. Yeah, I definitely feel that. I I would almost say I haven't seen anybody this intense over winning first place on a leg. I would say it's a little bit reminiscent of uh, the green team from season 27 of U.S., And maybe before that, you don't even see a team like that until like Colin and Christy 1.0, where they were always super hyper focused on winning every leg, even when it pretty much didn't matter. And I could definitely see this kind of focus on winning every leg and being the ultimate competitors. I could see this coming back to bite them. And I think once they have a real taste of like being threatened with elimination, we're going to see a different side of Dave and Arena. But Right now, where they feel comfortable and they feel like they're out in front, I think we can see like the better, more interesting parts of their personalities come out. So let's wait until they're really, really challenged by this race before we decide if they're going to be the ultimate villains. But I think without a broken ox to seriously challenge them, I'm enjoying watching them as well. Yeah, Mike Bloom even mentioned he compared Arena to Colin, which I think is the right comparison because Dave is the bare knuckle boxer, but even he seemed a little embarrassed when he was talking trash in the (laughs) car. And I know he's intense. And I think there's something next week, too, where he seems to be making a karate pose or something. I don't know. And I apologize. It's probably not karate. It has to do with the bare knuckle boxing. So please, you know, everybody that's at the Dan Heaton. (laughs) Bare knuckle boxers don't come after me. But um, um, but I will say that I think she especially is really getting into this, and that's only going to lead to fun this season. 
Yeah. And I, I, I like their dedication. I, I admire them as competitors. I think they're also capable of some pretty good one-liners when they can kind of let loose and have fun. Yeah, for sure. One of the things I wanted to mention from this is Joanne, who she struggled in this, but immediately gets on the motorcycle and looks like he's just going to go down the hill, basically, and finally stops and then crashes and then is very excited being the Vine star that she is to hopefully have the video, which the editors were like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we've we've got this. We're good. And so she was the winner of the biggest wipeout, at least that we saw during this leg. The Tylenol push through the pain moment. Oh, wait, that's like the one company not sponsoring Amazing Race Canada this season. Pick something else. There's there's got to be something, you know. It get um. I'm, I'm just thinking of like um a biostrath, but that's again that's South South Africa. Wrong one. Okay. Um, what is it going to be? It, we could get Robax in on there. That that's a very Canadian brand. <laughs> yeah. So um. So yeah. Anything else about this task? I think Joanne really was the one who struggled. Also, I should mention Nikki and Aisha got lost getting to the roadblock, which kind of was good foreshadowing for later because again they ended up going the completely wrong direction. Which it must be. It's it's hard to navigate. We're seeing that a lot lately. Yeah. Yeah. Navigation is kind of the headline. I, I mean, it was foreshadowing that the first episode is called Canada Get More Maps, because this is probably not the last time we're going to see this. Um, but I, I think Nikki and Aisha were very good at every task they got to once they yeah. got to it. So I I feel like a little less self-driving, they probably would still be here. But that's the way the race cookie crumbles. So anyway, should we get to the detour? Yes. Plant or paddle. So what was involved with these? How do they look? Um, well, I I guess it seemed like there was one task that looked like it was going to be harder on its face and ended up being nothing. And then one task that was just extremely time consuming and annoying, but not terribly difficult. Honestly, this detour did not do much for me. I thought it was a little bit, a little bit boring to watch. It was a little bit flat on TV. And I think the kayaking, they had some interesting ideas there, but it was also it ended up once people figured out that there was a trick to it, they didn't really seem to struggle with it. Yeah, I mean, most of it, I mean, the tree planting task, again, you look at it and you say, that's great that they're spotlighting that we should plant some trees and everything. And they had teams talk about it. But watching teams put put trees in and say, are they good? And then they pull out the red flags. I'm just kind of like, oh, my gosh. And they spent a lot of time because a lot of teams went there. And then, like you said, the, the kayaking beyond you know, like Tanesh and a few others getting hit in the face a few times. There really wasn't much there. I mean, also Jeel really getting kind of animated about the fact that his canoe instructing was not this, which again, he was DQing the five hole idea, but really there were no chances for five holes. Cause like you said, I thought at first teams were just going to keep wiping out, like flipping over and getting all wet, which can be fun. No, they just had to grab a few flags. They need, I think the thing is they needed to make grabbing the flags something more complicated because that, that was the detour to pick actually. All those teams for the most part really beside got ahead. I mean, Dave and arena ended up okay, but most of those teams gained ground by taking that one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I really wanted to see this was like this was something that you would do as a corporate team building exercise. This was not really up to the challenge of like find a stuffed moose in a million pounds of lentils. Right. I mean, the teams that did plant went two, six, seven, eight, nine. That tells you something. And that Mm -hmm. was that's. And the teams that, you know, and if Megan and Marie came out first, you know, had some struggling, but the other teams were all in the top five. So, but again, I'm not really criticizing the teams because, you, yeah, like you said, it's something that's going to take a certain amount of time versus something that requires skill. It's just the skill wasn't really that hard. Yeah. 
yeah, the the trees, there was pretty much zero skill to it. A couple of teams managed to screw it up anyway. I think I would have liked to have seen the tree task also be a little more difficult. Like, I feel like I'm thinking of the potato planting task from a couple seasons ago where you had to have them all exactly next to each other. And if one of the distances was off, you had to uproot every potato plant you'd planted and redo them all again. Right. This was something where beyond, you know, the mistake that Arena made where she was using her feet versus using the rope, most of the teams, you know, they had to they had a few that that were wrong. They had to do them again. We I mean, the editing didn't make it entirely clear. It, you knew it took a while, but none of the teams seemed like totally flustered like completely. So it seemed like something that Maybe it took a while, but wasn't judged super harshly. But I mean, I guess if they had judged it super harshly, teams could have been there forever and that would have made it even a bigger advantage for paddles. So maybe they had to do it that way. Yeah, that's that's probably true. They probably included the rope there so that it was nerfed a little bit. Um, And yeah, the kayaking though, that was ridiculously easy. And it was really only the fact that Dave and Arena are just that good that they didn't end up sinking to the bottom with everybody else. Right, totally. And I should, yeah, I should also mention too with the kayaking, you had a situation where you had someone that kayaked in the Pan American Games involved with the two with with Megan, but it's a case where they tried their best to make it interesting. It's tells you something that sometimes we might spend 20 minutes on the detour and on this podcast. And I'm like, is there much else to talk about here with the detour? I don't know. It's, there's not much to say. Yeah, I, I yeah, I think I'm done talking about the detour. <laughs> it's supposed to be like the centerpiece of the leg. And yeah, that's I mean, they put some trees in and sometimes the tree was leaning a little bit and you had to make it go upright. I guess that was a challenge. And then sometimes you sometimes you had to paddle together and you had to sync up. But I mean, we just saw people rowing in a skull in Amazing Race US. And that was much harder than this. It's very hard to flip a kayak. I will say that. Yeah. And I think, I think, I mean, putting the two together, it, yeah, it's a situation where you look and you say, at first, this looks hard, but it's not. And I think, I think I've already belabored the point, said the same thing three times here. <laughs> so um, they go to the railway museum, the Revelstoke Railway Museum, where they get to put together in a deceptively challenging task for certain teams, put together a model train set using all the pieces. So this was a little more interesting, but I still didn't get a great gauge for what exactly like the trick was. But I did find this a little more entertaining because of just it being more challenging. Yeah. Um, well, the interesting thing is we've seen this task before as well. Um, I want to say it was Amazing Race uh, season 22 of the U.S. version. They had to go to the uh, Deutsches Technik Museum in Berlin and pretty much do exactly this same thing. And it's a little bit of a logic puzzle because you have to use all of the pieces. You can't have a piece left over or a piece that goes nowhere. And I think that's where some of the teams struggled. But I feel like they're may not have been super clear direction on this either. I think some of the confusion some of the teams had might have been with all we heard John explain was they have to create a closed circuit track. And I'm like, what even is that? And once you see it, you know what it is. But of course, you can't see what the other teams are doing and you can't see an example. So I think that was where some of the challenge was. But then there are other teams that just sort of like, oh, this is just a regular Saturday afternoon for me. 
Yeah, there were a lot of teams that just like you could tell that um, the teams that had someone who could think spatially and like just putting things together, whether it's, you know, car tracks, as we heard from Sean, of course, <laughs> and um, and model train tracks, you know, you could really see the people like Anthony and like Dinesh. And then you had teams like Megan and Marie who looked kind of how I would look probably and just were like, I think these are all pieces and I don't really know what to do. And then we heard the dreaded Amazing Race Canada phrase that scared me to no end, penalty. (laughs) Which when they said they were going to take a penalty, I was like, what? What are they doing? Luckily, though, they came up with what I thought was a really smart strategy on both ends, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there was definitely... and. I feel like all of the naysayers out there that say that um, you shouldn't collaborate with other teams ever. I think this is a really clear example of why it's sometimes very advantageous to do that. Yeah. And this is the second week in a row that Sarah and Sam have been willing to work with other teams. And I think our initial assessment of them being a strong contender is correct because you can tell one, they stay really calm and they did it here, but there was no, they easily could have been like, oh no, we're not going to help you. And they asked and they gave them the thumbs up because really those teams knew they weren't last. I think they felt like they were in the top half, but there was no from Sarah and Sam, we need to finish two places higher or one place higher or whatever they're like we're gonna be near the top they were thrilled to be fourth and that's where it's almost more interesting to me is seeing them they did it last week with lauren and joanne they did it again here they're already looking at it like we need to make friends because for u-turns or whatever else comes up they think they might be in trouble yeah and there's that and there's also just the plain fact of you don't have to outrun the bear you just have to outrun the person behind you like where the bear is john eliminating you from the race of course (laughs) I was like, is one of the other teams the bear? (laughs) John is the bear in this scenario. (laughs) Yeah, well, no, totally. Because when you know you're not, if they were eight and nine, you'd say, okay, that was stupid. But they knew there were teams behind them. I'm not, you know, they knew there were other teams that weren't as far along. Even they could see Anthony and James there and such. And some of the other teams that weren't as far along. So there's no real downside. And I also thought Sarah and Sam felt like they were really close to finishing. So for them, they're like, even if we help them, we're still going to beat that team. So they knew almost in a sense, there's no real downside. And then it was nice for Megan and Marie not to panic and take a penalty, because I think if you take a penalty there, probably two hours because it's an extra task, even though Nikki and Aisha drove around, I think two hours are gone. I think they'd be eliminated. Yeah, They definitely did not drive around for two hours. I mean, you could tell when they were driving around at the end of the leg that some time had passed because the light was a little bit different. I'm not one of those people that like measures the angle of the sun or whatnot, but <laughs> Like it had clearly been a little bit of time. It was definitely not two hours. Yeah, I agree. And that that was the big thing for me, because then you got in a situation where you, you assume Trish and Amy were doing pretty well. So you felt like they were safe. And it really what was interesting is it came down to a showdown between Lauren Joanne, who did struggle again, driving to get to the detour. And then, again, you know, that was kind of a theme for everyone. But you come to these last two teams and my thought watching it was. The editing was a little odd. I did think Nikki and Aisha are kind of getting a little bit. They kept saying, they kept showing Nikki go, a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure. And so my thought is they were going to get past at that test. But then when they finished, I went, oh, they're okay. This is going to be fine. And so I was thrown off a little bit. And Lauren and Joanne were getting that, we can do it, we can do it, we can do it kind of, kind of edit, which often leads to nothing. So I wasn't shocked because I felt like there were hints. 
But half the time, those hints are just fake and they're just fake outs. So it was a little surprising what happened. Yeah, it was a real it was real 50 50. They did a good job editing that down to the point where I really wasn't sure who was going to come out on top. Yeah. And of course, I was rooting nothing. Nikki and Aisha are fun. We got to see a lot of fun moments of them singing and like chest bumping and stuff early on, and which also might have been a hint to where they were heading. But I, I enjoyed them on the race, so I hate to lose them so quickly. Selfishly for Team Dan, I'm feeling really <laughs> good about Lauren and Joanne because I was like, I cannot lose the first two teams. Last year, I lost the first three teams, I'm pretty sure. So I'm like, we got to we got to stop this right now. This has got to end. So and Lauren and Joanne were my second pick. And I appreciate I like the way that they rallied, though, which I think means that even though they finished eighth, I'm not thinking that they're doomed. I feel like they just had a bad leg and this might help. They might be able to recover. Well, there's always that team that you look at at first glance and you think, Oh, I don't think they're going to do well, or they're at least in the second tier of teams, and then they end up surprising you and going extremely far. Like, I think the sort of Frankie and Amy team, or even the Brent and Sean, where it's like, oh, wow, they're still in it, and they're still doing okay. And in fact, eventually they do better than okay. I mean, Lauren and Joanne could definitely be that team. Yeah, and I think Trish and Amy are also are yeah. looking. You could tell it was no coincidence that when they finished, they they, they finished where they did. And you, I mean, that's also was true with Anthony and James. But Trish and Amy also were talking about how they wanted to be front of the pack. And you know, I just I get a good feeling about them too. And that's where I think we're going to see some surprises. Not that oh, Sarah and Sam are going next week or something crazy, but I do think we're going to see some of these teams that might be starting out, like your Anthony and James or Christian. Amy, you're five, six, seven. Those teams are ju- are going to be okay. <laughs> and in a span of two legs, we've seen a team jump from ninth place to third place, from seventh place to first place, uh, from fourth place down to eighth place. I think there's going to be a lot of mixing and jumping around in places. And I think that's what makes an exciting season. The idea that anybody could win a leg, anybody could get eliminated. I think that's really going to make it a lot of fun and very suspenseful in the legs to come. Yeah. And then the final thing they had to do, of course, again, they didn't just get to go to the pit stop. They had to go to the pit stop, ride up the mountain and then run a really long way across snow, which didn't end up leading to a foot race. I mean, there was a sort of a foot race for first, but you could tell where that was going. And arena was very sad for finishing second. But it was pretty it was pretty interesting to see them again. They made them go a long way to get to the pit stop. I think they're hoping that one of these times that's going to pay off and there's going to be some sort of foot race to the finish because what a spectacular foot race that would have been. Oh, totally. And you remember you saw it first leg last season where they kind of did this, where they had where they had to find a random building and then they had to walk across this little plank and we had that crazy foot race. And I think they're thinking that they probably they've been doing this for a while, but they're going to keep doing this to, again, like you said, create extra. They're not really tasks, but making teams do something else that could make a difference. And and it did make a difference because Artie and Thinesh, they got uh, another express pass. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that, Dan, because what's going on here? Like how many express passes are going to be floating around out there? Is this one of those things where everybody gets an express pass if they win a leg? 
You know, I hadn't thought about that when he gave one. You remember we've talked about that whole situation where you could just start and everyone gets an express pass and basically just start it that way. And I don't know if they're going to do that, but they, and the thing is they don't have to use their express pass till the end of leg seven, which I don't know what the specifications are for Dave and arena. It might be the same. They have to give theirs away next week. But if you think about it too, if I take the flip approach where maybe there aren't so many, remember team giver actually got three express passes mm-hmm. at that one challenge where they hit three and then they got all three. And I was like, what a terrible result. And then the teams all used them so fast. So this may be a case where they're taking those three again and they're just splitting them in a different way to pretty much guarantee that that thing they did before doesn't happen again. But um, because they last season, they had the thing where there was a tat like multiple, I think two they could find where everyone was running around that like a deserted town. Basically, it seemed like to find them. So they're looking for new ways to do it. This is actually fairly more conventional than the way they've done it recently. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not mad at it, especially since I think it reminds me a lot again of early days, Amazing Race US, where there was a fast forward on every leg. What if this is the replacement to the fast forward? How do we feel about that? I like it, especially if they do it like, you know, they say they have to use their seven. Do it for just the first five legs and see what happens. I don't know if they're going to do it, but I would find that fun because... Yes, you can say you don't want to go too far because you don't want to come into like an advantage get in situation where you get to like seven and there's like that many teams and everybody but two have have express passes. And you're like, oh, this can't be good. So the, but generally this show, they make it so hard at times where I feel like Dave and Arena might not use it, but whoever they're going to give it to someone next week. And that team will normally those types of teams are near the back and they may use it quickly. And who do you so let's talk about the quickly now, since we're pretty much done with this leg. Who do you think they're going to give the express pass to? Well, the fact that it's Dave and Arena, I think that opens the field up to just about anybody because I think any other team would be thinking about it in terms of, well, who do I think needs a leg up and who is going to be my biggest competition and who is my smallest competition? And I think Dave and Arena just think everybody that there's like them and then there's everybody else. And I... Like, we haven't seen them reaching out and making friends and forging alliances the same way we've kind of seen the other teams have a more collaborative spirit. So I think it's going to be almost anybody could get that express pass. And it could be one of these, like, they could even go the totally wrong route with it and go sort of like um, martial arts film honor, like iron sharpens iron. So we will give the express pass to our biggest competition. Like Arthi and Tanesh, since you beat us, you have won our express pass. You could see that happening. But realistically, if it were me and I had to give the express pass out, I would probably... I would probably give it to either Lauren and Joanne or Trish and Amy. They're teams that have been solidly middle slash back of the pack and teams that I think they they sort of feel like they could be easier to beat in the end. Yeah, and I think that's probably what they're going to do. They, they're probably going to look at the most recent leg and say, oh, these teams were near the back. Oh, well, they must be terrible, regardless of if they are not. Here, let's give it to them. Because, yeah, and there's a part of me that thinks they could be like coach on Survivor and be like, we are all warriors, like you <laughs> yep. said, and give it to, yeah, Artie Nash or maybe Sarah and Sam or something. Because we've seen beyond their kind of trash talking, I don't know who their their friends are. Everyone's an enemy. Everyone is getting in the way of their new Chevy trucks and all the other things you win that are less important. They, they That's basically what they're going to do. But it'll be interesting. It's going to sneak up on us. They didn't show anything about it in the preview. So, But I swear they did say they had to give it away by the end of the third leg. So we're going to see something. And they may 
They may be of the mind that they want to hang on to it until the very end of the third leg. It could be one of those scenarios, although I think I've game theoried this out before. And I think that if you have an extra express pass to give away, get that thing out of your hands as quickly as possible to maximize the number of chances that somebody could blow it on something that they don't really need it for. Yeah, exactly. Like, especially early on when there's a lot of teams, like really this leg would have been the perfect opportunity to give it to someone, especially maybe when you get to the detour and you're at 39 trees and the other teams are just starting. I mean, I guess that's dangerous because the team could just say, okay, we're going to pass you now. But or maybe even when you're leaving the train thing, you just hand it to somebody that's struggling. And then you say, well, we know we're one or two. They who cares if that team's third? At least it's gone. You know, like give it to Megan and Marie when they're struggling. Yeah, but I think that would be a get, perfect way, especially if they're getting flustered. And it looks like like if somebody's starting to talk about taking the penalty, you could be like, oh, hey, don't take the penalty. Take my express pass. And then they burn the express pass. Express pass is gone. And you're still going to beat them. Exactly. I think the only reason that they well, one, Dave and Arena were like, they had these laser sights on. We're done. First place. First place. And they weren't thinking about it that way. But in, yeah, like you said, in a game theory way, you would take a moment and go, hey, this is a perfect time to do it. We're almost done. We know we're not getting eliminated. One team passes us. Who cares? There's six teams behind us. Let's let's this will then in like three. If they struggle, they won't be a problem. But I think the problem there is that Dave and Arena do not believe they're going to struggle. And they may be right. But you got to sort of think ahead because tasks get really hard as the show goes on. Yeah, you want to make sure that even if you think you're going to be fine, there's always the possibility that you could slip up and you want to make sure that if you do slip up, there's going to be someone behind you slipping up harder. For sure. All right. Well, are we ready for more for questions to take here? I think we are. Let's go into, we got a lot of good questions this week. I I think um, I'm really impressed with our listeners all over again because they really brought it. Yeah. So I'll bring up the first thing, which I think is something that's on the minds of everyone about actually next week, which is what are our predictions about what this, this came from AM on Twitter, but what are our predictions for the new one way task? We saw this in the preview teams walked up and there was a board that looked kind of like the double U-turn. This was called the double one way. And there were arrows pointing in two different directions for two different teams. Just what is this going to be? I have a couple of theories, Dan, and we can kind of rank them according to how likely we think they're going to be. Um, but the first thing I thought of with double one way, like a U-turn is when you make them go back or theoretically, if a U-turn is placed at the place where it should be in the leg, yes. Amazing Race US, um, the U-turn says you must turn back and go the other way. And literally, you have done half of the detour. Now you must go back and do the other half of the detour. The one way could be you must it could be placed at the beginning of the detour and it could be you must do this half of the detour and not the other half of the detour, which is an interesting strategic element, especially if one half of the detour is really super hard or plays to somebody's weaknesses. That could be one. The other thing is it could be Canada's answer to um, something that in the U.S. has not aired yet um, and that did not come into play this past season called the Extreme Roadblock. Dan, what do you know about the Extreme Roadblock? I know nothing about the extreme roadblock. So please tell me what this is. I totally missed this. So, well, this you missed it because it did not end up making it to air, but there was an advantage out in somewhere in the game called the extreme roadblock. And the team that had it could 
play it at a roadblock and force both members of a team to do the roadblock. And the reason we didn't see it is because it ended up not getting used uh, because the team that had it was far ahead and didn't think they needed to use it on anybody. But I would not be surprised to see them try that again in Amazing Race US at some point and have it actually mean something for the race. Um, But this could be, you know, we've seen Canada have different names for things that show up in the U.S. version, um, most notably the face-off versus the head-to-head. So the the double one-way could be both of you have to go one way and do the roadblock. That makes sense to me because I couldn't figure out with the detour exactly because the U-turn already makes you do both halves. I couldn't figure out, well, wait, what would that mean? What would, you know, and uh, it's just one way really throws me off. But yeah, I think that it could be a clever way to say, here's a roadblock. One person usually does it. And now we're making two of you do it. Kind of dumb to call it a double one way. But I guess it's, you know, they're they're struggling for new road metaphors here. Well, it depends on, I didn't get a good look at the board, but it depends on whether double is an adjective for the advantage or if double is part of the advantage. Like, is it, is the advantage a one way or is it a double one way? Um, so if it's a yeah. one way and there's two of them, meaning that two teams can deploy it, then it's a double one way. But if it's just one thing <laughs> that applies to two of certain scenario and it can only be deployed once, then it's a double one way, you know? Yeah, I think I I looked at it, I saw it several times, and I didn't pause it and study, but I do believe it looks like there's two places to put teams on it. So I think the double is for the two teams, unless they are having the double have a dual meaning, where it means two teams also do two things. That could be it. Well, wouldn't that be a quadruple one way? <laughs> it also have a double double one way then. <laughs> but, um, double double <laughs> one way is what you order at in and out I think. <laughs> Um, yes, I think so. <laughs> um, I don't know. I didn't have a good thought on this, but I do think it's obviously something in the history, like in the like going along with things like the yield and the U-turn and the double U-turn. It's some way that you can slow down a powerful team. Now, what that is, it looks like the sign is inside a train or something. I don't totally understand. It looks like they're in a train car. I could be wrong. I don't want to overthink it, but I suspect it's just another, which I enjoy, new way, especially if it's not right before the pit stop to make teams do more things. Yeah, I I am really going to be interested to see what it is and if it's going to be one of those things like the Amazing Race Australia Salvage Pass that takes longer to explain than you actually see it getting used. Like I've yeah, tried or, to I've tried to explain salvage pass on the air and I think we spent like 10 minutes on it. <laughs> like what the best move is and everything. And it's like, really, the team went, oh, I guess we'll pick that team. They didn't really do much at all. So, um, you know, I mean, I'm simplifying. I don't want to make you do the whole explanation again. Teams, not. People listening, go watch Amazing Race Australia season two. It's amazing. You will understand very quickly. The salvage pass is the one Amazing Race advantage that might make you cry. Oh, it's it's good. All right. So other questions. What do we got here? All right. Well, let's go here. Um, Let's see. Uh, Caleb Jones had this question for us. Do you think the couple subtle mentions of taking a time penalty is foreshadowing use in future legs, potentially egregious multi-team usages like in the past? You know, maybe the only reason I, I, I hesitate 
is because penalties is like a thing on the Amazing Race Canada. Last season was actually the first season where we saw fewer. We had a stretch of actually the first three seasons we covered where there just seemed to be season three was the most penalty laden race. The first one we did. But there were every season we've had some stretch where teams strategically use the penalty and often survive. That could be the case. I mean, then the question that that brings up as more about the penalty is what does this say about Megan and Marie? Is this just a little blip that they struggled and they were smart? Or is this a case where we're going to see it happen again, where then they do use the penalty and either get eliminated or barely survive? Yeah, it's an interesting thought, Dan. But I do think it's worth noting that Canada feels a little bit differently about penalties than we do here in the U.S. with our version of The Amazing Race. It's almost like anathema for American Amazing Racers to take a penalty. They don't call it taking a penalty here. They call it quitting the task. and. In Canada, they never really talk about quitting the task. They talk about, should we take a penalty? And I think I've joked before that it's because everybody in Canada grows up watching hockey and people get sent to the penalty box in hockey all the time. It's part of the game. So it's like, oh, we're going to take the penalty. It's like, oh, we're just going to go sit in the penalty box for two hours and then we're going to resume the race. It's not so much of a, we're going to quit the task and hope that either somebody else quits it as well or somebody struggles with it so much that we are going to be okay. Yeah. And um, I got a little distracted there because you mentioned hockey and I thought about my St. Louis Blues winning the Stanley Cup, but I'm going to stay <laughs> focused here. First time ever. But um, yeah. So also, too, I think it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy because if teams have seen the show before and they see a team take a penalty and survive, which I think is really what happened during that stretch of seasons, I think that um, teams don't look at it the same way because they've seen a bunch of times where teams took penalties and didn't get eliminated. And I think, and also because this show in general is more difficult than U.S. overall, I'm speaking in general, there are more chances to survive a penalty, especially a two-hour penalty in these cases with the extra tasks where it's not like a roadblock or, de- or four-hour penalties, which are really killers. Yeah, because U.S., it's usually just like we saw with Art and JJ, where it's like, well, I guess we'll take a penalty because Art can't walk. That's usually more likely than here, where teams are able-bodied and just go, yeah, it's not really our thing. We don't want to do it. Yeah, it's almost like it's part of the game. Totally. And I know some people don't particularly like that, but it has. I think the producers have been discouraging it more because we haven't seen it as much in the last few seasons. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a reason that we perpetually rank season three as like our least favorite Amazing Race Canada season. But one of the crazier seasons, I will say, it's, it's not a bad season to podcast about, yeah. I will say, because yeah. there were no legs like this one. We just there were very few like this leg we just watched where teams just kind of went from task to task. So it's it's definitely a lot different here. Yeah. All right. So let me see here. I, there was a. Oh, here we go. I just want to ask this because this is your favorite Twitter fan. Hot Nuts had a oh, question. Oh, Hot Nuts. <laughs> You're back. Um, This is a question that. I don't know. I, I have a certain feeling about it, but I'm curious to get your thoughts. Amazing Race Canada has proven over six seasons they can make a compelling show with barely leaving their shores, unlike Amazing Race US Season 8. But it's time to start exploring. Is it time to start exploring the world? I think the implication is more because they have gone to other places in the world. Do you feel that these two episodes, although enjoyable, fit the tribute to Canada that the show aspires? What do you think? Um. Well, it's an interesting thought. And I am. I don't know how much I should say about this, but um, 
I have heard rumors that this season of the show is not leaving Canada at all. And I have mixed feelings about that. Um, and it's something, you know, they've done international legs very well on the show in the past. And I've really enjoyed the ones that they've done, particularly like when they went to Cuba, for example. That was really exciting to me because Americans can barely go there. And now we kind of can't anymore. So that very brief window is closed. And I was very excited to get to see a, a country that we're never going to see on Amazing Race US. Um, and in that regard, I think that's a lot of fun. Um, but also, I feel like Canada being right there in the title of Amazing Race Canada, I don't want it to end up becoming just a clone of Amazing Race US. And I think something that is worth noting about all of the various seasons of the show across the board is if you watch some of these international editions of the show, especially it becomes apparent if you watch, if you binge a lot of them over a very short time period, that when you're traveling internationally and you're going to the same cities, you end up doing a lot of the same tasks. And I think like particularly, we don't talk much about Amazing Race 24, but there were whole legs of Amazing Race 24 that just kind of picked up out of Amazing Race Australia and just plunked them in there. And I would be really worried if Canada also became a totally international traveling focused franchise, you would end up risking lifting a lot of tasks like we even had one this week we had a task that was used in an amazing race us season and i feel like one of the things that keeps amazing race canada unique is the fact that all of the tasks are they try really hard to tie them into the places that they're going and keep that sense of canadian identity strong so honestly Maybe I would feel differently if I was Canadian and I'd had seven seasons of this and I would be ready to see them be ambassadors to the rest of the world. But honestly, stay in Canada forever. I I would still watch the show and I'd still enjoy it. Yeah. And I think John said something and I hadn't heard any any rumors, but John said something in the introduction of the whole season where he said something like, and now we're back. Teams in the past have traveled all over the world and now we're back traveling across Canada. I was like, well, that's a weird phrase. Like I even thought, like, does that mean they're not leaving? But I hadn't really thought about it again until now. But really, a lot of, I mean, there have been some classic legs. I love those Cuba legs. I love the Vietnam leg that they did with the team singing, which actually was very similar to what they did in the U.S. this last uh -huh. season. But um, but I love the, some of those legs. Some of those are the best. But, you know, some of the best legs this show's ever done have been in Canada. Some of the reasons we like this show so much, you know, doing lots of tasks, the self-driving, going to these places we've never seen, all relate to the fact that they spend a lot of time in Canada. If every leg was going to Toronto and then to Calgary and then to all these big cities, I'd be like, get out of here. We don't need to go to Vancouver again or whatnot. But because they're going to all these other places, they're able to change it up. But if they, but like you say, if we, let's say we have, they do it this season and the next four seasons are all in Canada. They may have to figure out what to do. But again, that that's an extreme situation. Yeah, I don't think they're going to run out of interesting things anytime soon. And I think I think Canada is a rich tapestry. And I have faith that even if they never go international again, they could still make an interesting show. So I I'm here for it. Um, I did notice that um, I think one of the reasons that we 
aren't going internationally is because they don't have an air sponsor. I think when Air Canada was sponsoring the show, it was much easier to get like to get some discounted airfare. And they had the kind of they had the kind of push behind it that they needed to be able to do the international travel. Why they ended up going to China um, when they did was they had a sponsor that was a China tourism company that has since gone under. So I think they could potentially get another international travel sponsor or find some other way to make it work. But I think those are the reasons behind them staying in Canada this year. For sure. All right. So other questions that we have, I have at least one more I want to ask, yeah. but if you have others. Well, I have it. one because I want to resurrect a segment that um, Rob and Mike and I started doing during the past season of Amazing Race US. I want to resurrect that segment um, and bring it into Amazing Race Canada because it did prove very popular. So without further ado, Amazing Race 101. So Amazing Race 101. We got a question from um, a Twitter user called Rasky who says, uh, since Amazing Race Canada is so heavy on self-driving, could you prepare for this by bringing your own maps or is it somehow prohibited by the rules? So my understanding is that they are not allowed to bring their own maps because they are very restrictive on what they're allowed to bring. They're allowed to bring clothes and a few other items, but they, they're not allowed to come into the race with anything that could give them a benefit. Obviously, they can't bring phones. They can't have guidebooks. They can't have maps. What we're seeing when we're seeing teams having maps Either they've purchased them from an airport or convenience store. They may have been given them, which I know really sly teams are able to do that. We've seen past teams where teams are trying to find any way to save money. But the idea is the smart teams likely, especially when they're flying, will land at an airport or in the airport before will buy a map or guidebook. And here, I think you, with the way they've been driving, you even saw last week Jet and Dave, see, they had a chance to get a map and did not realize it was there. So it's mainly up to them. Teams can talk to people and get directions. They can buy maps. It really also depends on the type of leg. This week, I think a map was really important. So was it last week? So Amazing Race Canada, like Dave said, you need a map, but I don't believe they can start with anything like that. It's The show is very strict about searching bags and keeping people on the level at the beginning. Yeah, that, that sounds about right, Dan. Um, I have heard stories of like Anything that could be remotely helpful to travelers getting confiscated, like there was a team I had heard of that had had this laminated sheet that just had like pictures of different of different like international symbols like, you know, where where can I find food? Where can I find a bathroom? Where can I find a hospital? And you just pointed the picture to show somebody who doesn't speak your language. And I've heard of that getting confiscated. And that was Amazing Race US. And again, we should caution that most of our knowledge of like weird arcane rule things is coming from Amazing Race US uh, because that's where most of the most of the research has been conducted. But I do believe that if you showed up on your first day of Amazing Race Canada and you had a map in your backpack that would get taken before you started out on the race course. Yes, I agree. Amazing Race 101. Stamp it. All right. So I have another question right. about the teams here. There's several about the teams. This is from Ruloville okay. on Twitter. Who is your adorkable team that you give a slim chance to win, but you're rooting for as they're fun to watch? Examples, Dylan Martina, Julian Lowell, 
and Suki and Jinder. Those are the examples given by Ruloville. Those are good examples. And I think there's one team that stands out to me as this team, although I think a lot of teams out there have some untapped, adorkable upside. But I think we got to give it to Lauren and Joanne. Yeah, I agree. I think that coming in there that way and um, they're especially Joanne. This is nothing against Lauren, but Joanne is very silly and I think gets how the tone of the show, but I can see benefits too. Um, Anthony and James may have some of that. And then, um, Oh, Arthi and Dinesh, they have a fun relationship and I think may have some of that too. Yeah. I mean, I mean, one of the highlights of this leg was definitely Snash getting hit by the paddle over and over. (laughs) Yes. Pretty hard too. like really smacked in the face. And she she enjoyed it. I think I you know they have epic fights. I've heard. Yeah, well, I I would not let her near a paddle if one of those epic fights is brewing. <laughs> um, one other question I want to throw in from Candace Cameron from Facebook wants to know. I'll I'll make it shorter, but basically, which of the teams have surprised us this season in terms of either exceeding or failing to meet our expectations? And she cites Jill and Sean is doing well, and then obviously Jet and Dave's early exit. Yeah, well, I would say I'll I'll give you a team that I think is uh, is surprising me with how well they're doing, and then a team that I I feel like I expected more from. Um, so first of all, I'll say um, Arthi and Tanesh did amazing this leg. They they just ran a perfect leg and they were entertaining while they did it. And I guess I shouldn't be that surprised because they are a demographic that does very well, as we discussed in our cast preview. They are a young dating couple. And they're even Linda Holmes used to call this type of team the huge tinies, where the guy was very muscular and then the the woman half of the team is like a foot shorter and kind of feisty and small. And it's fun to see a huge tiny team out there and I think they are poised to do very very well uh that first place finish I was really shocked when they pulled it out and I was just like wow that was just one perfect thing after another so I think they've got a lot of potential to go very deep into this race and I'm glad that I picked them for my team um and then I will say I thought Nikki and Aisha were going to be much better at this than they ended up being and I guess Maybe had one or two things shaken out differently for them. We could still be seeing them there. But even at the top of this leg, they started things out at like an 11. They had so much energy and so much, so much charisma. And I really felt like they would be able to leverage that and it would help them go very far. And they were both athletes. They were both very driven young women. And it's really a shame to see them go out so early. Yeah, I kind of came out of when we drafted our teams, even thinking that I had made a mistake in not picking them before the season started. And and again, like we saw last week, too, they were pretty good on all the tasks, except for they couldn't find John on the hill and dropped a few spots. So I think it's just some of and it's only two legs, so I don't mean to overstate it, but some of the non task stuff, more of the intangibles that seem to have gotten them and Jet and Dave so far. And obviously, I'm looking at the other teams and I've been a little pleasantly surprised by Megan and Marie. I know that they did not finish first this leg because they got stuck, but they really blitzed through the first two tasks. And, you know, I wasn't sure exactly what to expect from them. I did pick them for my team, but I think they've got a, they're really low key and I know they got a little flustered, but they seem to have this really kind of dry relationship and just kind of the way that they treat things, which that kind of approach can do very well in the show. Yeah. Yeah. I think they, they've been great. I mean, I thought they would do well. So I I wouldn't say they're necessarily a team that surprised me, but I'm glad to see them doing well. And I think they'll continue to 
I think they'll continue to not suck. <laughs> yes, that's my goal with all of the teams I drafted. Not sucking. This is the goal. And, and we're doing good. Yeah. May they continue to not suck. Yes. So any other questions? Um, I think I we've addressed most of the really good questions that got asked here. But we want to thank everybody for getting those questions in, because I think it really helps us frame up the podcast and figure out what we are going to talk about every week. So even if we didn't answer your question directly by crediting you, know that your question getting answered on the podcast, that was probably a direct result of you asking that question, if that makes any sense. Yes. A lot of the things that we talk about, even I mean, I'm looking at questions and we're talking about them, even if I forget to reference who brought it up. It makes a huge difference because, you know, we don't want to have to come up with all these ideas on our own. We need to be helpful. We don't we don't want to have to think. So this is this is great for us. Now, before we finish, just do we need to mention quickly the taste of the race episode two? Oh god do we <laughs> it's pretty grim dan i gotta tell you i love i love phil and martina more than anybody but oh boy dempsters what are you thinking sushi bowl toast please listeners tell me being if you're in canada is sushi bowl toast a thing that you have eaten and that you regularly eat if you do i i guess you should talk to phil that's all I'm saying. Yeah, um, I, I believe the video was labeled uh, sushi bowl open faced sandwich. And like these are is it sushi? Is it a bowl? Is it a sandwich? Make up your mind as to what this thing is. Um, and I mean, it looked OK, although I, I got to say that salmon looked overcooked in both instances. I'm not sure I would trust either Martino or Phil to make salmon for me. Yeah, this is this is one of those things where I will keep watching it, but I don't know how much we're going to spend time on it. I love Phil and Martina. I hope we have more fun to come from them, but um, we'll see. I'll, I'll keep on it and maybe we'll mention it in the future, but I would love to know if whatever it's actually called, do people eat sushi on toast as a thing, especially with Dempster's whole wheat bread? I mean, I will cop to enjoying an avocado toast from time to time, but and with or without salmon, but I usually eat smoked salmon on it, which I guess kind of gets away from the Japanese spirit of the thing. But yeah, this was a total puzzle to me, and I'm not even 100% sure how it tied into the location, but maybe things will improve on Taste of the Race as things progress. And I mean, Lord knows Phil and Martina are doing the best they can with what they've got. Yeah, for sure. But it, it's I enjoy seeing them. I just would hope for better things. And hopefully we'll have lots more fun next week with the next episode of all kinds of craziness happening, it looks like. Yes, uh, we will. We will proceed in one single direction, make a double one way <laughs> to the next week's episode. So as we wrap things up, I got a couple of administrative notes for you. Uh, something we get asked a lot here at the Amazing Race Canada wrap up is how do I watch the Amazing Race Canada if I myself am not in Canada? And I will tell you, there's a few different ways to do it. Uh, Dan and I, of course, just fly to Canada every week and we're racking up some frequent flyer miles, maybe enough that we can get a new sponsor onto um, Amazing Race Canada. So, you know, get at them airlines. But the most practical piece of advice I can give you if you don't have time to fly to Canada every week to watch the show is that you should become a patron of Rob Has a Podcast. RHAP patrons get a number of perks, including um, exclusive podcast content and access to a secret patron-only Facebook group where you can connect with other fans, talk about all things reality TV, including where you can watch this program. And usually... The listeners find links to it and post them in the group within 24 hours of each episode airing. So 
If you like this show, whether or not you become a patron, I hope you have subscribed to it. You can find new episodes of this podcast in the Reality Rehap Ups feed or in the Rob Has a Podcast Amazing Race feed. And we love getting feedback from all of our listeners. There are many ways that you can let us know how you like the podcast. Uh, Leave us a review in the iTunes store. That helps us out, helps other people find the podcast. You can leave a comment on the page for this episode on robhaswebsite.com or you can find us on the social media. You can find me on Twitter at Haymaker Hattie. And I am at the Dan Heaton. And thanks everyone once again for the great questions. Yes. And um, Dan would like to officially issue yet another apology to the Burmese bare knuckle boxing community and asks that you please not at him. Yes, I am not someone you want to challenge. I am definitely not champion (laughs) of the world or anything else in bare knuckle boxing. Yeah, nor am I. Don't forget to check out everything else that's happening in the Rob Has a Podcast universe. Over on our sister site post show recaps, there's some Stranger Things coverage. It's very entertaining with Josh Wiggler and Mike Bloom. Our coverage of Big Brother continues on Rob Has a website with daily updates. And we're also covering Bachelorette, Survivor South Africa, Are You the One, Love Island, lots and lots of shows. Um, so Dan, what do you have going on in your world? Well, when I'm not talking about The Amazing Race Canada and flying there, I also do a podcast about theme parks, places like Walt Disney World and Universal and Disneyland. I do interviews with people that have worked there or experts on the parks. And you can find out info. It's called the Tomorrow Society Podcast. It's available from all your normal vendors, and it's at tomorrowsociety.com. And it is a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying that. And as for me, I am occasionally writing some feature content over on primetimer.com. I have a piece coming out about season three of Stranger Things that should be dropping probably end of this week, early next week. So you can check all of that out at primetimer.com. And that's our show. I'd like to thank Dan Heaton, as always, for joining me on this incredible journey. Rob Sesternino for giving us a platform. Scott St. Pierre behind the scenes. All the patrons of Rob has a podcast and all of our listeners around the world. Take care everyone, and we'll see you right back here next week.